warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! All right, man, we really got to record a promo for this thing. Should we write a script for this? Ah, fuck it, man, we'll do it live. Hey, folks, this is El Goro. And this is the Cancer Man. And we are the hosts of Talk Without Rhythm. The only podcast that will not attract the worm. That really doesn't explain what we do. Well, we watch two movies a week, we review them, we bullshit, and sometimes we say something funny. Yeah, but most of the time we just piss people off. Well, the American film viewing public can't handle most of what we have to say. But if you think you can, you can find us on iTunes if you do a search for Talk Without Rhythm. You can also find us on our website, tworpodcast.blogspot.com, baby. Deuces. Bone Bat Podcast, where you can listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Fucking what, mother? Rainy, darling, what are you doing? Go away, Mom. I'm watching my films. You know it's dark out back Give it to me, give it to fantastic Yeah Put me to the test by the city back Darfon Blackjack Come on sister, won't you show me where the money's at? Show me where the money's at show me You the know money's it's Darfon Blackjack Come on, sister, let me show you where the money's at.
what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 99 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? 99. That's huge. I know. It's like a Prince song or something. It's like five and a half years of this shit. We don't have anything better to do. You'd think by now one of us would get a hobby. <laughs> you have a hobby, don't you? Yeah. You know, here's the thing. Usually we start the show... With me telling some outlandish long tale about how I crashed my bicycle into a turkey or I got some disease or I fell down and I'm bleeding from someplace. We don't have time for that. We got director's interview. We got tip to base in the studio. So I'm just going to cut right to the chase. I'm just just going to say it. We can move on. I got my scrotum caught in a Slurpee machine. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we need to go. Let's just move on. We'll do that. So it's been a while, man. Episode 69 was the 69, last time we saw you guys. Nice. Yes. The all too appropriate episode number. I prefer 96, butt to back of the head. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go, Homer. He's good at it, too. <laughs> all right, why don't you guys sound off, remind our listeners who you are and what you do in the band. This is Sean Jones. Uh, he plays keys and uh, vocalizes. That's me. Um, over here we have Chase Baldwin, the fantastic bass player. How y'all doing? And of course we got our Afro friend, BJ Richards, with hair that is gigantic. He plays guitar. His hair is huge, Gord. From the last time we saw him, I think you had it close cut last time we saw you. I was high and tight before. <laughs> I heard a comment at the last show. Someone said Richard Simmons. <laughs> I usually hey, do don't that. knock Richard Simmons, man. <laughs> I, I Richard, believe me, you're I that old him. and in that good a shape, man. You've really done something. Richard too Simmons was never that fun. No. I usually get that fat guy from Superbad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jonah. Yeah, Jonah yeah you know, that's a small studio to be having that many people plus a big fro in. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fire hazard. So thanks again for joining us, guys. I mean, uh, I guess the reason we're all here is to talk a little bit about the Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Festival, the yeah. 2013 edition, of which you guys will be playing, man. Hell yeah. All right. Couldn't be happier. I'm really looking forward to it. You know, we like to mix up the, the music. We've had metal on. We've had nerdcore rap. But it, we were talking, and like, you know what? Funk would be badass. We need to get tip to bass in. And so we need some I was glad funk. that you guys were available. We're honored and, and humbled by the invitation. Well, thank you. Does, does he know what show he's doing? Yeah, I, don't, I thought he did, but... Uh. Huh. <laughs> he thinks he's playing bumper shoot. Don't tell him. <laughs> Actually, we are uh, playing at the Bite of Seattle and uh, Taste of Tacoma this year. <laughs> Do they know the name of your band? Uh, we snug it past them. <laughs> is it, you call it tri-tip to base? <laughs> tri-tip to base. Family friendly. They're only serving phallic-shaped foods at our stage. <laughs> <laughs> Got churros to the left. Corn dogs. Sausage to the left. <laughs> and of course, dog penis. <laughs> it's an acquired taste. In some countries, that's a delicacy. <laughs> Bag of dog dicks. <laughs> Do you have those Cajun? Cajun <laughs> style? <laughs> They're just shaking up the bag after they've Dude, the I once yet. got sick after a bag of ranch dog dicks. You don't want any part of that. <laughs> hey, was it Cool Ranch like those Doritos tacos? <laughs> they were fucking extreme. <laughs> Why is that like, if you notice all the snacks now, they all have to be harder and more extreme. Like, who fucking snacks hard? Nobody does that. Yeah, you, like... Pull out an old school bag of Cheetos or something and people give you shit. Ah, look at that. That's not extreme. Oh, shit. 
Well, why don't we uh, talk a little bit about the film festival? Uh, we haven't had a chance to announce all of our features and shorts, so it seems like a good time to do that. Uh, why don't we do the shorts list, Gord? The shorts list, okay. Now, I think our listeners should know that I am reading this list. It's it's printed in about two-point font in light pink ink for some reason. I think my printer is uh, is running di- dead here, so if it doesn't make oh, any sense. I printer runs. Yeah. <laughs> <It> <laughs> and runs. I've rested my drink upon it, so it runs here we ways. go. Structure Kill, one of the first shorts we actually saw when we were looking for shorts, looking at shorts for this festival. Structure Kill by uh, Stefan Vitali. What I liked about that one is just very much something that was made for fans of horror movies. Very cute, clever premise. I really enjoy that one. Uh, following that, Only the Smart Survive. Now, this was a cool one. Is directed by Carrie Lane. And uh, it was sent out of the blue. Uh, we didn't you know, know about this one at all. And we another one that kind of for the horror fans just plays with genre tropes and is really fun. I think people are going to dig it. Pig Lady, one of, one of my favorite shorts. Pig Lady by Thomas De Napoli and Steve Mikowski. Yeah, that, that film kicks a lot of This ass. film is great. That's really all you need to say about it. It's just flipping great. It's right at the beginning. I mean, it's what, like the number three in our first block of shorts. Don't be hanging out in the lobby buying your popcorn and dawdling. Get your popcorn, sit down, and watch Pig Lady. Now, following that, we have a film by Joseph Nanny called The Necronomicon, which is actually part of a pair. And these have been around a little bit. It showed at MIF a couple of years ago, and I loved them so much. They're very short. I wanted to bring them back. So uh, we're going to get to see those once again. And then we've got Mr. Bear from our friends in España, Mr. Andres uh, Rosendi. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sure I'm screwing up the accent. But he's from Spain. Though we contacted him right here in Los Estados Unidos, Mr. Bear is great. It is a takeoff of, you recall, Pulp Fiction? Yes, and Mr. Wolf. Mr. Wolf? Well, this is Mr. Bear. Check it. Yeah, the uh, performance by Dan Daly is just really charming for that one. I really enjoy it. I'm really feeling bad if I'm screwing up Andres' name. Andres, don't kill me. Sorry. Andres Rosende. He sounds dangerous. I hope that's right. Why'd you go with an Italian accent? We have the return of our friend's Saturday morning breakfast cereal theater and no Santa. Now, actually, Mr. Bear sort of kicks off a little bit of a Christmas block for us. Indeed, it does. We've got Mr. Bear, which takes place during the holiday season, followed by no Santa. And then The Living Want Me Dead by Bill Palmer. Another charming tale set in the uh, Christmas season. And you may recall Bill Palmer was the director and writer of Vicky, one of the crowd favorite films last year. Very cool stuff. That's right. Following that, uh, we'll take a little break. We're going to watch a feature, and we will come back with an animated short called Baby It's You, directed by David Cowles, Jeremy Galante, and Brad Putulo. It's the first short that sort of goes with the uh, the theme of our poster, the, the giant monster tearing up the city type thing. And then we've got reverse parthenogenesis. Parthenogenesis is one of my favorite words. I get to actually say it and use it in a sentence once every decade or so. It means asexual reproduction. And now you're going to see a movie with that in its title. I'm just freaking psyched. It's directed by Javier Grio Marxal. God, why do I, I fuck up all the names? I think it's Marjoac, but I'm Marjois. not 100% sure. Javier yeah. Grio Marjoac. Yes. 
Got to say, best use of the word parthenogenesis since Shriekback's nemesis. That's right, this side of a Shriekback CD. <laughs> Very good. Following that, we've got a short from Germany directed by Norbert Kiel called Twisted. And it is exactly fucking that. that film it is, is twisted. It's just fucking wrong. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Okay. Curious. If you're curious, you'll see it on yeah. April 13th, yeah. man. You know what? Every member of Tip to Base is going to love this movie. This should get the special Tip to Base award. Can we do a follow-up uh, to see how much we remember from this uh, this day? Because <laughs> I'm going to lose about half that night, I think. Well, you're That's gonna have, okay. We'll, you're gonna we'll have, have a whole record. new album coming out yeah. soon that we're going to have to talk about. So we've we've this got stuff yeah. coming down yeah. the pike. You, you guys have security on hand to escort us off the <laughs> yeah. premise. We had to rent security just for you. Yeah, or at least carry me to the van. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Actually, Steve's got some roofies. He'll just slip them in your drink. He'll pass out. Ooh. You guys are that. probably used to that. Though. Yeah, that, I had a good roofie throw night a few in a while. Of them in there for it to work. <laughs> or as you guys call it, Thursday. <laughs> All right, our next film from the UK. Speaking of which. And Fidget Films, Love Bug, directed by Ben Kent. Now, Ben Kent also has done some cinematography for one of our favorite groups, Bloody Cuts UK, that we'll come back to later. But uh, Love Bug is a very cool, different kind of a twist on a zombie film, and uh, I really liked that one a lot. And then, once again, our friends from Saturday Morning Breakfast Serial Theater, Doing Fifty Shades of Domestic Gray. I think uh, Tom Jacobson's the director of that one. Yeah, that film is a crack up. It's yeah, any any middle aged family man like Steve or me that, that cuts a little too close to home. <laughs> and speaking of cutting close to home, <laughs> way too close to home. My God, the next film from Fatal Pictures and in Canada, Richard Powell, producer Zach Green, is familiar. Holy shit. Oh, this wow. film will make you cringe both mentally and physically. It is an acting tour de force from Robert Nolan. You don't want to miss this film on the big screen. Amazing stuff. When we went through all these shorts that we were watching, we rated them on a scale of 1 to 10, trying to figure out which our favorites were. And I think Familiar was one of the darn few that got 10 from both Steve and me. Yeah, Yeah, you definitely feel that one. Then and then the, that's the end of that. Oh, that's, block. And then, yeah, that's that. For, that's the end for of that, that block. block. And uh, we come back for block number three a little bit later with a film that is kind of a tie-in to one of our features last year, Deadheads from Frobro Films and Brett and Drew T. Pierce. Yeah, it's the uh, prequel to our feature film last year. Smush uh, actually is the short about Cheese the Zombie, who you know and love. And uh, getting to spend a little more time with him is going to be fucking great. So I'm glad we're able to show it. And what is cool is half the people in the room are in the credits. So <laughs> no how kidding. awesome is that? That yeah. was a crowdfunded film. Uh, Gordon and I threw a few bucks that way. I know uh, Mail Order Zombie did and some other friends. And uh, it's going to be cool to give it a hometown screening. Yeehaw. And then from Sweden, one of the most wonderfully twisted, dark movies the kind of movie that if you see with me and I'm laughing, you're either laughing with me or you're walking away thinking, I cannot be friends with this man anymore. <laughs> Tune for Two by uh, Gunnar Jarvstad. It's uh, it's Swedish. Why do I get all the non-American names, Steve? And you laugh at me when I mess up Swedish death metal names. You <laughs> had because this, they're all... You, <laughs> you so had that shit coming. Following that, we're going to take a look at a film called Sandwich Crazy from Canada. 
directed by Michael Doucette. And this one kind of reminds me, not only is it sandwich-themed, but it has a similar kind of gruesome vibe to last year's Hold the Mail by Jeffrey Williams. Now, is this going to be a thing? Are we going to do like a sandwich short every year? You know, food is universal, so I think it kind of fits well with the way we look at things. You know, as we're going through these shorts, that that's something that's continually going to appeal, I think. Next, we're going to have an absolutely beautiful animated film from Spain once again. Look, our buddies in España, they, they step up. Rodrigo Blas directs it. The title of the film is Alma. Now, we've been trying to get Alma since our first film festival. And this year, we were finally able to reach the producer. And it's just a thrill to be able to screen it. This is such a beautiful movie. And it, it's really too good for us, honestly. Yeah, honestly, this is far better than we deserve. <laughs> Following that, this one's from Florida, directed by James Feeney, and it's called Killer Cart. It's what happens when shopping carts go on mad killing sprees. And this one has that similar blockbuster feel to last year's audience choice winner, Car Goals, where it, it kind of starts out and it just by the end of it, it's huge. And I, I love that about this film. And it's really one of the best shopping cart uh, on human violence movies I think that's ever been made. One of my favorite genres. You don't see enough of that. You know, you really don't. Not not done well like this. Uh, once again, we go back for more Lovecraftian horror comedy. Elder Sign. Bad advice for good times from Joseph Nani. And following that, the aforementioned Bloody Cuts UK bring forth... The short Suck a Blood, which, oh my God, this film is so fucking good. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Empirically, it's fucking good. Yeah, this one was another easy 10 10. Yeah. From Steve and me both. And Steve don't, and I don't agree really on hardly anything at all. Yeah, it's you would be surprised how little we do. But yeah, this last block is just a murder's row. It, it really is. <laughs> then we've got Hungry Hickory. Why does it say Hungry Hickory, he dies at the end? Uh, he Dies at the End is the film company slash website, which Damien McCarthy runs. Oh, okay. Out That's of, out of Ireland, isn't it? Out of Cork in Ireland, absolutely. County Cork. What's cool, though, it's cool. This is the first time we've had a couple of Irish films, actually, with Grabber's feature and then uh, as well as Damien McCarthy's stuff. Uh, uh, just fun, different vibe, and I'm glad to have it, definitely. Yeah, Finally, closing out, you folks may remember Bedfellows from last year and director Drew Daywalt's Fear Factory. This year, we have a more recent entry, Meat, which is also fucking hilarious. Yes, love. I was going to say I love meat, but, you know, that sounds kind of... <laughs> All right, and then uh, we can, I guess, move on to our features, of course. Uh, our first feature that you're going to be seeing on uh, April 13th is Buck Wild uh, out of Texas, directed by Tyler Glott, produced by Tyler Glott, Christian Sosa, Matthew Albrecht, Taylor Thompson, and Stacy Crawford. It was a team effort, and it stars uh, Matthew Albrecht, Jared Pastili as Jerry, Drew Lockwood, Isaac Harrison, Meg Sioni, and Joe Stevens in one of the greatest zombie-turning performances in recent memory. Wow, I don't even know what to say to all that, other than it's true. Well, it's, it's a very cool flick. We've got the director interviewed later on in this episode. And it's the first Chupacabra movie that, that we're going to show, isn't it? Absolutely. I haven't seen one of those before. So. We, we have not done a Chupacabra movie until this one. We've got creativity abounding, my friends. 
Following that, Puppet Monster Massacre. Written and directed by Dustin Wade Mills. Featuring the vocal talents of Steve Rimpici, Ethan Hawley, and Bart Flynn. What to say about this movie that has not already been said in our interview? Uh, They haven't heard the interview yet. What to say about this movie that will not already have been said in the future when we do the interview later on in this show? (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Finally, our last film, our headliner, if you will, Grabbers, presented by IFC Midnight and uh, brought to you by Stalker Farms, Field of Screams. Thank you, Stalker Farms. Absolutely. Directed by John Wright. Written by Kevin Lahan and starring Richard Coyle, Ruth Bradley, Kevin Tovey, and Brona Gallagher, who you may remember from The Commitments, one of my favorite films. Oh, really? He's from The Commitments? Yeah. She's one of the backup That's, singers. Isn't that cool? That is a really great film. Yeah. So Grabbers, though, very, very fun. I've got an interview with Kevin Lahan in a little bit, so I, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, there's going to be a lot more said about that film as well. I related a lot to that uh, trailer because I'm very against tentacles and I'm very for drinking. So I think that film is really going to just hit home for me. Oh, yeah. That's like custom made for you then. Yes, I think you'll I didn't realize we were having we were hosting anti-tentacolites on the show, though. That's kind of awkward. Tip to base is very anti-tentacolite. <laughs> you see, I heard that BJ was all about the hentai, so I, I don't know. Most of us were born with suction cups on our penises and <laughs> we had to have them removed at a very very young age were those suction cups attached to a priest by any chance <laughs> all right so all right. speaking of what pisses us off i am fully erect right now <laughs> <laughs> why don't we jump into what pisses us off all right let's do it am i starting this Who, thing? who's going first Gord, why don't you get it? Get the ball. Yeah, yeah you know I got a pretty lightweight. What pisses me off this time? So I should probably just start and we'll build from there. You know what pisses me off? What's that? Pistachios. And let me tell you, you know you're eating pistachios, and they are delicious. And there's a little bit of work involved in getting to each one, but you know it's just like life. You do a little bit of work, and then you get to the nut, and it's great. But every <laughs> once in a while, every once in a while, you get one that just tastes wrong it just tastes nasty it's like kind of rotten or burned or burned and rotten or something it just tastes like a i don't know a salty fart i was eating a big bag of pistachios earlier today and the very last one i ate was one of those it like ruined the whole pistachio experience you just the only thing to get that taste out of your mouth is more good pistachios and i had none i was done pisses me off pistachio farmer somewhere out there owes me a new bag I have so many questions, but we don't have enough time. <laughs> all right, well, uh, who's next? Sean, you got something? Yeah, I think we can all relate to this. It really pisses me off when you know that you've got a good wipe going. The last couple sheets are white as a cloud, and sure enough, not 15 minutes later, your ass is itching already. <laughs> <laughs> I think that all stems from a too tight clench while you're wiping. You really got to let loose, ease up, and let that paper slide a little bit deeper. (laughs) Everything you say sounds like funk, man. (laughs) That could be the beginning of a serious funk song right now. Back. Man, you know what pisses, slide. This pisses me off, man, when the when the neighborhood three-legged dog doesn't put out. You know what I mean? <laughs> How's a tripod going to deny you? I, it's a tripod deny pod. That's what it is. Deny pod. Uh, I just hate tentacles, man. 
That's all. You know what pisses me off, actually? So, my neighbor, I love my neighbor. My neighbor keeps a very clean, tidy yard. Just it looks perfect all the time. Recently, they put up a sign in their front yard that says, No pee, no poop, no problem. Which is encouraging the neighbors to curb their dogs. Meanwhile... For you to curb your kids. The neighbors... The neighbor has an outdoor cat that has been using my backyard for its own personal fucking cat box for the last five years. I haven't had a dog in that entire time, and there's more shit now than when I had a dog. That pisses me off. How big is that cat? I don't know. How do you make that... How do you put up a sign saying, curb your shit... And then you let your cat shit in the neighbor's yard. That just, there's something not kosher about that. Can I make a suggestion, Steve? Yes. You need to make your own sign and make it like an arrow pointing to that house. And that sign would just say, his cat craps in my yard. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's a confrontational way to go, but I know how you roll. (laughs) That is how I roll. All right. Well, uh, why don't we check out a tune from tip to base? Let's uh, just cut to the chase. That's me. Let's go to the train! Ramey Campbell. And when I'm not organizing my bootlegs, I'm listening to the Bone Bat Show. 
The producers of The Puppet Monster Massacre wish to inform you that this film contains foul language. I used to fuck your grandma six ways to Sunday. Sexual content. Winston Churchill. Well, that was a little longer than last time, I think. Nudity. And graphic violence and gore. If you're offended by these things, then the producers have this message for you. Go fuck yourself! You are a pussy! The Puppet Monster Massacre Monster Massacre. The belt is gonna fly. Once again, that was Cut to the Chase from Tip to Base off their No Consequences CD from 2012. And joining us now on the show is Dustin Wade Mills, the director of Puppet Monster Massacre. How you doing, man? I'm pretty good, man. I'm crazy busy, but I'm good. How are you guys? Oh, we're, we're good. I'm good, at least. We're fantastic, and we're fantastic because you consented to let us play your film at our festival. I mean, that's a <laughs> big reason. Oh, I'm excited to have it there, and I'm, I'm sort of intimidated by the other films <laughs> that are playing there because I feel like they're much bigger and better than mine, but that's kind of an honor. It makes it an honor that the movie's going to play there. You know, they may be bigger. I don't know about better. Maybe, maybe not. But here's the thing, that your movie is different from those in that... We completely deconstructed the film festival, rearranged it, just trying to figure out a way to shoehorn your movie in there because <laughs> we wanted it so bad. Well, and it's not like, you know, it's not much. a 90-minute feature and it's not a 10-minute short, but goddamn, yeah. it's its own thing and it, it had to be there. It absolutely did. Now, why don't we talk a little bit about Puppet Monster Massacre? I mean... How did you get the idea of doing this crazy puppet movie? I don't know. I think, I mean, a while back, right when I um, had dropped out of college, <laughs> I uh, sort of conspired with my friend Josh Eel, who's gone on to produce my movies. Um, he produced uh, Easter Casket, which comes out tomorrow, and he stars in it as well, and he starred in Zombie A-Hole. And we were trying to figure out a movie that we'd like to make, because I'd always wanted to make movies. And um, this was, I don't know, this was like seven years ago. And uh, Puppet Monster Massacre was one of them. And uh, the idea was just to make an 80s-type horror flick, but it's all puppets. Because I'd just never really seen that before. The closest thing to that is Meet the Feebles, I think, which mm. I hesitate to call a horror movie. It's more of just like a weird exploitation film. <laughs> and, um, you know, years later, I finally decided that I was going to take a chance and make a flick. And um, Puppet Monster Massacre is just the one I decided to make, I think because I had developed the idea better than than any of the other ideas I had. There's not a lot of serious movies with puppets in them that aren't some sort of uh, special effects. I, th I think I can count them on one hand and have fingers left over. There's Being John Malkovich. Yeah. And there's Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, yeah. And then there's yours. 
<laughs> well, and a puppet movie that is essentially filthy was something that we were ultimately ready for because as dads, Gordon and I have sat through a lot of shitty children's television and programming. Oh, and yeah, I can imagine. And, you know, we've been waiting for years for, like, you know, it would be great if that Muppet would just take her top off. <laughs> or if somebody's never a good shower somebody's scene. head would explode you know <laughs> it was just we've been waiting for this for so long and you finally delivered <laughs> well i'm glad i could apply it <laughs> well you know the funny thing is the first time i watched it one of the first thing i did was like look up youtube videos on how to make a it <laughs> because the quality of your <laughs> are so good the first thing so i did was play with myself you can't <laughs> use the m-word though yes they're, they're not puppets oh Disney owns those guys. They're litigious. You got to be careful. My apologies. <laughs> we can cut that out. Um, but we'll just beep it every time you say that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put a big bleep. They'll think you're saying like penis. Yeah, <laughs> M word. <laughs> um, they were actually there's a website called ProjectPuppet.com, and I just bought the patterns. And uh, uh, my mom actually made most of the puppets. I helped her with the first three, and then I built the monster. And then a couple of them we bought, like uh, the penguin we bought and the, the rabbits we bought, but the rest my mom made. So uh, it was just a simple pattern off the internet. What and it wasn't great... even the most complex pattern. There's a more complex series, and we got the cheaper one to save money. <laughs> they look great, though. Hey, well, I, oh, I have got a, I've got a question for you, though. And this really isn't for me. It's more for Gord. How do you okay. get blood and semen out of felt? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to say it's probably fake blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it's easier to clean. There isn't actually a lot of um, be, because we couldn't ruin the puppets because um, we had to make sure they were around and we couldn't afford to build multiples. Um, most of the blood in the movie is digital. There's a couple shots where there's actual blood and gore, but ninety um, percent of the time it's digital blood just for the pure reason that we couldn't ruin the puppets or we wouldn't have a movie. Absolutely. Well, how did you make the main puppet monster? Now, most of them look like you know, traditional felt, but that has a different construction to it, no? Yeah, it was made out of foam. I just carved pieces and sort of put together. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It's like a, it's um, two foam pieces, for one for the body, one for the head, and then they're connected by a piece of fabric. And, um, yeah, it was a little different. If I had to make it now, I could make it way better, but it's all right for, you know, like two years ago when I was had no idea what I was doing or how special effects work or how puppets work. So <laughs> well, I don't know. Do you man. have a lot of uh, rejected designs for the for the main monster? Or did yeah, you just keep were, building? There were a couple. On the DVD, there's actually a couple of tests that I did. One was like a rod puppet, and the other one was like um, one of those like snapper puppets you get from the zoo. And um, I don't know. They both kind of looked like shit. So <laughs> we, you know, we, we figured we'd get more mobility if we... Um, built it like a traditional hand puppet. I love the little T-Rex arms on it. That's what makes it for me on that particular <laughs> puppet. It's just the little tiny arms. Yeah, yeah. He's like all head. Like he's very top heavy. One of the interesting things that we've learned as we've been doing this film festival is all the different ways that independent films come together. You know, you have like one of our films was produced with the Irish Film Board. Another one, they did a little crowdfunding. And yeah. as I understand, you kind of did this all on your own. How did you pull together everything for your first feature? It was, I mean, it's a combination of credit cards because uh, I needed a camera and I needed a computer because my computer died like halfway through making the movie. So the budget was like $3,500 and probably two to two and a half thousands of that was just camera and computer. 
I don't know. I mean, it wasn't a, it wasn't a giant sum of money, so it was relatively easy to figure it out. You know, I had a full time regular working man's job back then. You know, a nine to five type deal. So I just sort of funded it with you know a little bit out of my paychecks and then credit cards and stuff like that. It, I don't know. I mean, thirty five hundred bucks isn't too hard to come up with. That's a really disappointing story. You you ought to change that. Yeah, know? I'm sorry. It's not more interesting. Like I didn't have to like blow anybody or anything. To get the money. Like, <laughs> well, you didn't have to. No, no. I mean, I <laughs> did. For money. I did, but I didn't have to. I mean. Well, speaking of blowing people, how did you line up your vocal talent? Because you have some great. <laughs> sorry. That's a fantastic segue. That was pretty good. I like that. That's one of my strong suits. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, mean, I love the vocal talent in this. I, the, the folks you have doing voices are just great. And it really sells the characters because, in addition to the puppet designs being charming, the characters really work. And I love the fact that this film, like a lot of the films that we tend to love, it's not making jokes, it's character driven humor. Oh, well, thank you for noticing that, because that was kind of important to me when I made it, that um, the humor wasn't like, hey, look at these puppets. Isn't it funny that they're puppets? You know, I wanted it to be like, there aren't a bunch of, like, puppet in-jokes and, and stuff like that. Probably the closest thing is that um, Gramps's, uh World War II squad was called the Seam Rippers. And then when Charlie says, I'm going to headbutt the shit out of you because their arms don't move. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's, you know, those are the only real puppet jokes. The rest is just like, you know, goofy character stuff. But as far as the, the voice cast, uh, I mean, most of it was just I did a lot of voices. I um, had my friends do voices. And then um, uh, Steve Peachy and Bart Flynn, I found through a website called voice123.com. And they're both pros, but I think they're from Ohio originally. And they just wanted to do it. And I, I think it was maybe partly because there's a movie being made in Ohio that was kind of crazy and required voice work. But, yeah, they just wanted to do it. It's just funny because they literally emailed me their performances. So I've never met Steve in person. I've talked to him on the phone and talked to him online. And he does a voice in Easter Casket. Bart, I met once at a convention. It was kind of cool. He showed up and then actually got to sit and watch the movie with him, which oh, was really neat. That's awesome. But, um, yeah, I just got lucky with those guys. Very cool. And then the other thing that I found very striking is that in addition to the good puppets, the, the scenery and the way that you kind of did the 3D is really appealing to the eye. And oh, I think you. that that's what else works well with this film is, you know, there, there doesn't seem to be like, oh, the puppets were great, but the, the walls look crappy or anything like that. It all is a really nice package. How did you pull that together? Well, I was a graphic designer. Um, I'm, you know, I'm full-time filmmaker now, but I was a graphic designer for several years since I was 19 years old. So I sort of have a, a decent grasp, at least, on color theory and, um, you know, just how to do a matte painting and stuff like that. And then with, you know, my motion graphics background, I combine the two things. Like a lot of the backgrounds aren't really 3D. It's just 2D layers mm -hmm. set in such a way that they look like it's the same thing as layering matte paintings. Right. Okay. Or, I'll or, explain that to you later, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> or doing animation cells, you know. It's a similar thing, but a lot of it was just, you know, like, oh, I know that these colors will look good. And then, you know, on top of all that, I just wanted it to complement the look of the puppets because I wanted the whole thing to have a sort of twisted kids movie or kids television show aesthetic to it right so you know it's sort of supposed to look over dramatic and kind of fake but that only i think that that just helps create the world for the puppets 
Well, it does, and then it kind of lends to when you have your big over-the-top blockbuster ending. Yeah. It all kind of just looks great when it's coming together for that, that finale. And I really you enjoyed that. I got to say, you know, like, it's been a while since I made the movie, and, you know, I've made four movies since that one. It, you know, it's always hard to go back and watch your movies, but, like, the last ten minutes of Puppet Monster Massacre, I can watch over and over again because it just entertains the shit out of me. Like, I feel like I made that movie just to get to the last ten minutes where <laughs> everything goes crazy and everybody's getting torn apart and, you know, there's a giant monster and all that stuff. Well, you did do a great job. Now, talk about really quick those other four movies that you've done. Uh, yeah, after Puppet, I did a sort of uh, grindhousey B movie called Zombie A Hole, which is like my spin on the zombie genre. And then after that, I did uh, Night of the Tentacles, which is sort of a a horror comedy, uh, kind of a love letter to the films of Frank Henenlotter as well as Little Shop of Horrors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then I was commissioned that, yeah. to make a film called Bath Salt Zombies based on the bath salts epidemic or supposed epidemic. And uh, I'm just finishing um, Easter Casket, and it gets mailed out to the pre-order people tomorrow, which is a holiday-themed uh, horror flick where the Easter Bunny, portrayed by a puppet, goes on a murderous rampage. I got so. I got my order in, man. Oh, awesome. So I think, yeah, uh, I remember seeing that. See I remember yeah. seeing it come through. Well, you know, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, the Astron 6 movie, uh, Father's Day, just the vibe of it. And that was a film that was just twisted and I really enjoyed. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, you know, the, the Astron 6 guys, their aesthetic and the types of movies that they make um, sort of speaks to me. I really want to see Manborg. Um, I was a little let down by Father's Day just because... Um, I felt like it came off the rails partway through, but um, <laughs> that was kind of part of its charm, though, was the fact that just they were going to go for broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, <laughs> I think I think my thing was like I fell in love with the first half so much that when it went apeshit, I wasn't ready for it. Like I don't like you know I don't hate the movie. I think those guys do awesome, do an awesome job, especially with the budgets they have. But Manborg looks right up my alley. I'm really excited to see that one. Yeah, I think I am too. Well, so now that you're wrapping up Easter Casket, I mean, you probably have some promotion to do for that. But what's next for you, Dustin? There's actually a lot of stuff. I'm doing a couple of shorts for some anthologies. I needed to finish it because I'm holding up <laughs> the release. But there's an um, a anthology flick called Theater of the Derange 2, which uh, James Bressack is putting out, which is a bunch of different filmmakers um, doing shorts. And I'll have a short on there. And then I'm teaming up with Mike O'Mahony, James Balsamo, and uh, Bill Zabub for another anthology flick. After that, I have two uh, movies that have been in production for a while, and they sort of got derailed by other things, The Battle of Skinless Pete and Kill That Bitch, which I'll be finishing this summer. And then, <laughs> Thank you. Can you tell that I'm busy all the time? And then hopefully in July, I'll start filming what will be my first true horror film, meaning it's intended to scare you, um, which is called Country Dark. Nice. So that's what's in the immediate future. You got all kinds of things. That's great. Yeah, I sort of don't stop, man. I just <laughs> keep going. You know, as a puppeteer, I've got to ask you, what's been the follow-up for you personally in the uh, Elmo puppeteer sex and drug scandal that's ongoing? Is that <laughs> does that touch you in any any way? Is it? I'm assuming that the puppeteering community is a rather small one, and this I, whole I, Elmo thing is it's got to be. I different. don't know. I mean, I, I'm not really part of that community. I had never. <laughs> I never picked up a puppet until I made Puppet Monster Massacre. I just really like them. I don't know. I, I mean, I really like that guy. Um, I don't know. I 
I don't really have an opinion. It's one of those things where I feel like I don't have enough information to form an opinion one way or the other. And I, I, like honestly, I don't really care that much. <laughs> 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 so you know, yeah, whatever. Ah, that's the best answer to the ask night question you can possibly get. <laughs> All right, man. Well, one question we always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bat Show. Dustin, what pisses you off? Um, you know what pisses me off? God, I have to pick one thing. Um, <laughs> go. Yeah, go for it. It's just ones <laughs> and zeros. It's cheap. we got a lot of them. Here, I'll pick something recent. I really hate people who create nothing uh, yet shit on other people's creations. Those people can just fall off the face of the goddamn earth because I despise <laughs> them. And I feel like there are a lot of them, and most of them live on the comment section of the internet and <laughs> hate them. So that pisses me off. I had a run-in recently, and I'm still sour about it. So <laughs> those people piss me off. Where do these assholes come from? It's, it's always amazing. You know what it is? It's like, do you remember being 16 years old? Because I remember being 16 years old, and I was way... I remember. I was really high. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I remember being really in love with my opinion and being like, you know, if there's a movie that came out and I didn't like it, I'd be like, oh, it's a piece of shit, and the guy who made it's a piece of shit, and blah, 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 blah. And then I grew up. Right. But I don't think most people grow up. They keep that worthless, like, teenage bravado. Where they're like, oh, I've never made anything, but this guy who makes stuff, is he's worthless. He doesn't know what he's doing because... I don't know. You know, it's like I, I despise it. It's like, grow the fuck up. You know, the reality of it is like, if you don't like it, it probably just wasn't for you. Yeah. And there's probably someone else out there who likes it. It doesn't mean it's terrible. It doesn't mean that you need to take some divine position against it. It, <laughs> it just isn't for you. And people can't seem to grasp that concept. Well said, sir. Yeah. I'm a cartoonist. I've been drawing cartoons for about a decade now, but truly, I, I don't give two tin shits about people that uh, go, oh, your cartoon is crap. You know, really, if if you're a cartoonist and you're going to criticize me, I'll listen to you. But, you know. Exactly, like man. If, exactly. If someone who hasn't made a movie is going to criticize you and, and just say it's bad, they're not even worth uh, having an opinion about. Fuck those guys. And if people catch me in the wrong mood, like, I get real, like antsy about it like i remember being at a convention once and this guy came up and he's like hey i watched zombie a-hole and it was pretty good but there were a couple of things i you know that i thought you didn't do right and he started talking to me i'm like and i just stopped him and was like do you make movies and he's like no 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 i've never made a movie and then i mean i listened to him but i but i just wanted to know whether or not you know he knew what he was talking about first right but i mean and that doesn't mean that you have to make a movie to have a valid opinion on films there are real criticisms that you know, even just someone who loves films uh, can make, and they're real and they're useful. But let's be honest: nine times out of ten, people are just spouting off and being jerks. Yeah, yeah I know. guess you're right. You don't have to be a plastic surgeon to know that Michael Jackson had some fucked up shit going on with his face. Yeah, very true. Very true. <laughs> but anyone that takes that really strong come after you opinion for your work when they've got nothing to show for themselves, forget about it. Well, that's the worst when people get up on a hill and brandish their saber about it. <laughs> you know, like. This is a vulgar piece of crap, and it needs to stop. You know, like that sort of stuff. <laughs> it's like, shut up. <laughs> go watch TV or something. God, go watch Fox News. There you go. <laughs> I think America's Funniest Home Videos is on. Go yeah. occupy <laughs> yourself. There is something for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you again so much for being part of our fest. 
I got to say, we're thrilled to have you, and uh, keep us in mind for future efforts. Oh, definitely, and I'm honored, and I, you know, I really appreciate you guys working the movie in there, and I, you know, I just feel very privileged to be alongside. Uh, such talented filmmakers and such a cool festival. So thank you very much, and that's sincere. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, man. Absolutely.
This is Chase. I'm Sean. And I'm BJ. We're Tip to Bass, Seattle's hottest funk innovators. And you're listening to the Bone Bat Show, Drunk and On Time. Once again, Return of the Mothership from Tip to Bass off No Consequences, the CD that you get with your enormous package at the Bone Bat Film Festival. Now, the enormous package is only available until April 1st, correct, Gordon? That is correct. April Fool's Day. So don't be fucking around. Get your enormous package. You know what? We only have a few more extra large shirts, too, by the way. We should have got more extra large. We need smaller fans or larger fans. Extra large fans. We got the double XLs covered, though. That's so. right. You can but if you're wash extra large, you need to buy your shirt like yesterday. You can wash that shit like my wife, and you may be able to make that work. Why does your wife wash shit? She washes shirts. She shrinks Oh, them. sure. She can do it. I had a shirt once. My kid wears it now. It's crazy. You know, the thing about being a little person like myself, very rarely is anything shrunk to the point where I can't wear it. Well, I'm actually wearing a shirt that's from a Ken doll. Nice. All right, so let's talk a little bit about Tip to Base. What have you guys been up to in the two years and 30 episodes since we last chatted? Well, it's been exciting times for us, actually. I think when we were here last, we didn't have any official release. So we did release No Consequences. It's an EP with six songs that uh, you've heard on the show today. We released that last March broke into the festival circuit last year we we played at hemp fest which was a blur and uh <laughs> yeah. of, we're a drinking band not yeah. a smoking band a lot of anxiety with <laughs> that hemp was terrifying. just a lot of anxiety like why is everybody <laughs> looking at me right now <laughs> but uh so what is it going to be now now that we've passed the proposition is it just going to be like fest <laughs> just hang out <laughs> now that weed is legal in washington not that, not that you that. can buy it or sell it but uh just gonna be a bunch of people peddling chips and <laughs> other snacks i was at Hempfest last year and saw something called the drink and it was six bucks not worth it <laughs> oh we who showed hasn't up to been ripped Fest? off with uh, fake weed brownies at Hempfest. <laughs> yeah, that's true yeah. <laughs> We showed up there and they said, the green room is in the back, boys. Make yourself comfortable. We have snacks and bongs and futons and bright colored blankets. And we said, that's all fine and good. Where's the drinks at? They said, oh, no, boys. (laughs) Dry festival. This is the dry Dry festival. festival. And that's when I got the shakes and I ran the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) So it was the very first uh, guitarless tip to bass performance. You ran all the way to the buffet. (laughs) (laughs) You didn't get that far. I drowned my sorrows in the creamed corn. (laughs) But, yeah, and we've been playing regularly at Nectar in Fremont. That's got to be our favorite spot in town to play. Other than the festival coming up, we're playing, I mentioned earlier, Saturday, June 29th at the Taste of Tacoma at 6 p.m. and Saturday, July 20th at the Bite of Seattle at 6 p.m. And and we expect to be filling up our um, venue calendar. Um, We try and play about every uh, month or two in Seattle. Very cool. Now, it's kind of interesting. We featured a bunch of demo songs and then you released your cd and really only one song made the cut like you were really working hard on uh, songwriting during that period yeah we felt we had changed so much from when we recorded those demo songs that really were only ever released on the bone bat show so that's kind of an exclusive the sound had just changed so much that we didn't feel that a lot of those songs were relevant anymore we play some of them at our shows from time to time, but actually mm-hmm. we did 
a show two weekends ago, and only about two of those songs from our last recording even made that set list. So we have continued to write at a very rapid pace, and we're working on recording our first official full-length right now, which we expect to be released within the next probably six to nine months. Nice. So uh, probably too early then for like record release party and that sort of thing. But we yeah, can... no no uh, official announcements on it. But just about all of the material is written, so it's just a matter of tracking everything. Very cool. And this is going to be all brand new stuff, huh? All new. You'll that's be hearing fantastic. it at the uh, film festival. We'll be yeah, playing a lot of the new stuff. Oh, that's badass! We're still I can't playing wait. Playing a lot of it live already, so you'll get to hear a lot of. And it. Cool. of course, all the music that you get with the uh, the enormous package. Nice. Which we have enormous packages. I have a very, very small package. I thought my balls were large, and then I saw my friend's balls, and they were just twice the size. <laughs> and I realized at that point that was a false notion. <laughs> You're still part of the overall enormity of the group package. Right. I, I mean, enormous yeah. by association. <laughs> That's why my dick sits next to my balls, just to, <laughs> yeah. to, to feel big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like hanging out with people that are fatter than you. you know? <laughs> it just makes you look good. Yeah. And that's why I don't get laid. My friends are much more attractive than me. <laughs> but you play guitar, though. Isn't that the sexiest instrument? Have you heard our music? There's zero substance. And women want substance. <laughs> I... <laughs> I I don't know why because they're not very smart, but <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. We really respect women. Um, we we. <laughs> I was dating this nice nice young female, nice young Jewish girl, and she had just seen a a show of ours, and she said, "Don't you want to talk about how I felt about your set?" And I said, "No, I don't really care." <laughs> 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 and she, she said, no, I, I'm, I want to tell you about your set. I thought the music was good. I just thought, I mean, the lyrics, what, drink all day and party all night and you sing about women? I mean, why don't you sing about and write lyrics about things that you really feel and think about? Like, lady, that's what do you think I'm doing all week at work is thinking about how drunk I'm going to get on Friday and then say really offensive things to people. That's all we got, really. <laughs> April the dream. Just a shtick that's gone way too far. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one fan even went as far to call it a lifestyle. Tip to base is a lifestyle, not just a band. Nice. Yeah. My mother informed us that we're not as funny as we think. Yeah. <laughs> My mother informs of me the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Man, no wonder we get along. <laughs> Our mothers would probably get along too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I got to say, the stuff, even comparing No Consequences to the previous demos, you guys just got a lot sharper and a lot more crisp. Thank you. And I thought that was just really cool to see that progression. So I'm really looking forward to hearing the new stuff. And if, if you can believe it, we self-record all of this. Chase actually runs a studio in Woodenville, Washington, and that gives us the luxury of having pretty much unlimited time, and we can be on whatever kind of behavior we like. Uh, when we record in that studio, and, and that really helps us be able to do what we do. Oh, and you have the time to polish and iterate and get things right. That's or really just cool. Just get more drunk. <laughs> or. <laughs> or that. Me, or I'm just losing time and money left and right and dealing with a bunch of blacked out drunks. It's just, <laughs> it's constant damage control. We're not drunk, we're classy and cheeky. Oh, uh, yeah. 
All right. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us with this film festival. I, it's going to be really cool to have you there playing just that tip to base magic. I think our audience is going to love it, and I appreciate that you guys uh, accepted our challenge. And thank you, and and uh, the listeners should know we have much more than just music planned. This is going to be a full visual audio experience, and we're going to tie into the themes of the festival. So come see what's going to happen. Oh, I cannot wait. This is going to be awesome. I cannot wait. I'd like to say thanks to you guys because I Googled you and you're way more popular than us. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why you hang well, out with us or like that's us. That's the but. idea. I mean, we don't create anything. The one thing that we can do is talk about shit that we love, be it horror movies or comic books or badass Seattle funk. We can tell other people about it other fans, other friends, and hopefully get you guys a little exposure. And that's what we do this for. So oh, We appreciate it. That's well, awesome. Thanks again. Really. I was going to ask. I'm glad to hear that, Gord, you're making it up. You'll be yeah. here. We oh. have not met oh, you yeah, in yeah. person. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm coming yet. up. Yeah, you get to see me in all my glory. <laughs> in a Ken doll shirt. All his in a Ken doll shirt. No, serious. I'm like 5'7 on a good day. All his 4'2 glory. He's pocket size. I am. <laughs> I'm fun sized. So where can our listeners find out more about you guys? TipToBaseMusic.com, or if you like us on Facebook, we have songs and videos and all sorts of free content you can check out, and we uh, put notices up about our shows and other uh, updates on both of those places. Cool. You can find me on OKCupid. I really half-assed it. I don't have any <laughs> biographical information. I just have a creepy photo of me, a bottle of Fireball, and a dead fish. Um... <laughs> And the women they have matched me up with are not, how do you say, fuckable? I don't know. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. (laughs) The appropriately titled Natural Disaster. (laughs) (laughs) Right, well, why don't we uh, check out another cut? Uh, what, What is this one, guys? Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Oh, natural disaster! It's our anthem. Yeah, this is this is the anthem. track that we love to throw down, and it, it just outlines everything that we're all about. Cool.
tearing up the town to the base getting fatter and we're getting around. So far, we're so we're both done as final we're right. Oh man, if the teenager said the dick was a town, so we're tapping, we're blowing up like a natural disaster. You know we don't need a beaker till we're fucking blasted by the top of people yelling us to call a drunk bastard. We're flipping street players on three times faster. Director of Buck Wild, and you're listening to the Bone Bad Show. Will you please give this trip a chance? I promise we're gonna have fun. Just us friends hunting off the land. All right, this is your weekend retreat. I call it the Haven. Haven, my ass. Cozy. Don't you fret, little buddy. It's gonna be one hell of a trip. I mean, not as good as the one I had planned last year, but a close second or third. I'm gonna ask Carla to marry me. I think Lance is having an affair with Carla. I can take care of this for you. Look, hunting accidents happen all the time. Oh, shit. Clyde, can you hear me? Tom, help me. One, two, three. We don't tell nobody about this. I heard a bunch of shots go off a minute ago. Lance, where the hell are you, man? We're in a lot of trouble. Do not cross this fence line. This here is Billy Ray's place. Billy Ray is a badass. Hey, I'd please have a pair of pants. Trespassers receive no such luxuries. Why am I the only one who's naked? Would you prefer if we were all naked, Tom? No, Jerry.
there have been numerous reports of a massive outbreak. Looks like you might be coming down with something. Yeah, is that right? What? Is that you? They'll come for us once more onto the breach, dear friends. What's wrong with them? Zombies. Get ready, boys. It's about to get buck wild. You do realize that you probably have an entire army of undead headed this way. <laughs> My thoughts exactly. All right, once again, we are back. That was Natural Disaster by Tip to Base. And joining us now is Tyler Glott, the director of Buck Wild. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We were thrilled. Just the way the timing of this film worked out, it worked out so well. And it's such an original take on kind of a, a comedy horror zombie film that we're thrilled to have a chance to show this one. So thank you so much for being a part of this. Sure, sure, sure. We, uh, we're really excited. You uh, can't wait to get out there and, uh, you know, show the film and kind of see how everybody else, you know, reacts to it. People hate it. That's great. If they love it, even better. Yeah, I think people are going to love it. I mean, this film is, is original. It's different. It's got some neat twists to it. The first among them, though, is the fact that... Um, Maybe you're onto something here. Are chupacabras the true vector for the zombie virus? Yeah, they, the, the chupacabra was patient zero in the script. We shot all in South Texas, so we really want to bring that kind of Texas flair. And, you know, if you are from the Texas area, you live kind of especially around the Texas-Mexico border, you know, there's the kind of this allure of this chupacabra that's you know, you always, you know, hear people on the news and, they, you know, they always they always find a chupacabra and usually it's like a coyote with mange or something. But <laughs> so we really wanted to, like, incorporate that. And uh, I kind of thought about it for a while. And I was like, you know, the chupacabra would be a great, fun touch. And, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I uh, We actually had more scenes in the movie with the chupacabra. But because of uh, kind of the mechanics of it that, you know, it was a little difficult and, you know, the movie, in a sense, we really wanted to make it kind of fun, campy, very Porky's-esque, you know, animal house. And, uh, you know, some of the scenes with the Chivacabra kind of came off just a little bit, not really what we wanted. So, unfortunately, it only made one appearance, but we're actually trying to bring it around with us to the different festivals. So, uh, <laughs> if, we can get it, if we can get it on an airplane, we will bring it with us. That would be fantastic. Now, I don't. How's that work? Do you check it? Is it a? Do you carry on the chupacabra? How's that work? Does it play drums? I, I was hoping. That, I was hoping that we would be able to put it underneath the seat in front of us because that's what everyone seems to be doing now with their dogs. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, just tell them it's your comfort animal, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It would be a large case, but uh, I'm sure that we could make room in the aisle. There you go. God knows you can't bring a tube of toothpaste, but you can bring a freaking Rottweiler. It's your company. <laughs> a service chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your seeing eye chupacabra. Yeah, seeing eye chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> I would just smuggle it anally. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well we, we may do that. We may do that. I mean, it's, uh, we, we have got, to kind of balloon we got the man off. for the job, Matthew. We got the man. <laughs> so, one of the things I like most about Buck Wild is that it is exactly that. The title sums it up so well. You don't get too tied up in like genre rules or how th- zombies are supposed to behave. You, instead, you bring twists, turns, salutes to your favorite films. That's one of the things that I think is really fun about this flick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely, uh, you know, we tried to stay true to a lot of the, because really, we love zombies and we love the horror genre, especially in kind of mixed with comedy, because, in our, you know, I, my opinion and Matt, the co-writer, you know, a lot of great horror is kind of funny, and that's what makes it really great. So, you know, we wanted to kind of like mix those genres, but we also knew that since we, were, we had zombies, that we wanted to make sure that we respected that genre because there's a lot of like serious, then we had constant conversations, are they going to be shambling, are they going to be running? You know, what's the blood? Is just the blood gets in the eye and the mouth, you know, is it as an infection or is it what's through a bite? So we thought about all those things, but in general, we kind of tried to just keep it fun. And like you said, call back to, you know, certain movies that are kind of, um, that we were fond of and kind of wanted to pay an homage to. Sure, yeah. There's some discussion about The Godfather. There's a little homage to uh, Pulp Fiction, of course. Just yeah. a lot of really good stuff in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, we we grabbed from a, a bunch of different uh, popcorn movies and kind of great cult movies, and you know, Evil Dead actually is one of my. Uh, uh, my I'm sorry, Dead Alive. Evil Dead, obviously, but Dead Alive. Mm-hmm. Peter Jackson's absolutely one of his films. It, it's one of my kind of all time favorites. I, I remember seeing it as a kid and just loving it, especially just how much kind of gore and how funny it was. Um, and then you know the kind of the rat beast that bites. It was his um, uh, Sumatran rat monkey, right? Yes, the rat, the rat <laughs> monkey, exactly. So I mean, we, you know, we were definitely kind of inspired by, uh, you know, that. But we kind of tried to like not keep it too strict, but you know, still kind of pay respects to the to the genres. So you said you shot in South Texas. Whereabouts? Uh, we shot kind of primarily in Goliad, Texas, and we also shot in Wesatch, which is a tiny town of like twenty eight people. And I think all twenty eight people decided on the day that we shot at their gas station that they wanted to be driving up and down the, uh, the road <laughs> with their doolies and uh, their trucks. But, uh, but they were great. Everybody there was, uh, you know, really kind of excited about it. They kind of welcomed us in. And, you know, I guess when you shoot in Texas, you know, people really don't ask for, for much aside from, hey, can, you know, can I stand on the side and watch what's going on? And or can you put my wife in the movie? You know, so it was, uh, we, you know, we had a good time. And, uh, yeah, we shot kind of Goliad, we sat, um, I know we kind of went back and forth with, from Victoria, but we were kind of in that area, which is kind of close. It's about two hours outside of Austin. Mm-hmm. So we had a great story. Uh, one of the producer's grandfather came out on set with a shotgun. There was a great story in there. Oh, yeah, go ahead, please. Bring yeah. it. So we shot on a ranch, and one of the, one of the producers, it was his family ranch, and he goes to his, uh, his grandfather. His grandfather was kind of an older, kind of cantankerous guy. And we'd already shot on his property once. And, you know, he was kind of pissed off because he was worried because he got cows, you know, on his land. He was worried that something's going to happen to him. Well, everything went well, but he just, he didn't like it because he didn't like, he doesn't like anybody. So <laughs> we came to him again. Matt, the, uh, the producer came and said, listen, it's going to be a small production. You know, there's not going to be a lot of folks. And of course, he's just kind of telling him this because he knows that if he doesn't kind of sweet-talk him away, because he usually doesn't make his way out there, so he kind of sweet-talk him. Well, production kind of shows up, and we have a lot of crew, and Matt's father is trying to keep 
his grandfather kind of away from the set just so he didn't show up. Well, the night that we had the big zombies kind of out in the field when they kind of emerge, we had 150 extras show up. I was going to say, like, the yes. biggest crowd of the whole movie? The biggest crowd in the entire movie. And, and what was funny is that we also had the local newspaper showed up, and they, t- they took a, a great photo of, like, literally all 150 of these people emerging from this fog, at, you know, all zombie out and running towards the camera. And it, it was great. Well, apparently, and in the article, it had, like, so-and-so's property, you know, and all this stuff. Well, apparently, uh, Saturday morning rolls around, and uh, the priest's grandfather gets up, and he sits down to breakfast, and he opens the paper, and there, right on the front page, is these ghouls emerging from the mist and giving all the details. So he shows, he gets pissed, grabs his shotgun, jumps his truck, heads down to set. <laughs> well, we've got PAs that are actually kind of staying on set to kind of like make sure, that, you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere, but, you know, we had some people staying there. And uh, he shows up, and he starts firing off his shotgun. Well, one of the PAs comes down. Like shooting like, in the air like, or shooting it at people? Shot, firing, firing it up into the air. And he gets <laughs> crazy. And we, he's racing around the, he, he's doing donuts around the, the ranch house. And he's screaming, movie trash, go back to Hollywood, movie trash. And by the way, next week, they've got Austin. So he's circling around the property, shooting the shotgun into the air. And so Murph, and he's this big old boy. And I, I guess you probably saw him in the film. He played Murph. The big yeah, Murph, of course. Guy. You know, he's a good old boy from Texas, and he, he's been around guns, so he was, wasn't, like, too worried. But uh, so he's, like, in the house. He's, like, peeking through the blind. He's like, what the hell is going on? So the old man drives down. We have production trailers, and we were shooting at night. We were shooting night, so everybody was asleep. Well, we had some of our crew set up in production trailers, and he just kicks open the door of his production trailer, comes in, he flips the door open to the sound, and the sound was... Uh, Lance Hoffman and Thomas Hoffman, their father-son kind of sound combo, and kicks open the door and starts screaming, like, you know, where's Matt, the producer? Uh, and they're like, we don't know where he is, you know, because, you know, everybody's kind of spread all all over this little area. And uh, he goes, well, you tell him I'm looking for him. So uh, Murph comes up and drives over to the hotel where we're staying, and he bangs on the door, and, you know, everybody's asleep. You know, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning. He's like... But your grandfather's looking for you. And then it's Matt's father called and said, oh, you know, your grandfather's combing the town with the shotgun. He's looking for, he's looking for you. You better stay in the hotel. And I'm going to go try and calm him down. So it was definitely a, it was definitely a buck wild experience. But, if anything, uh, he's the most prepared for zombies. He's doing donuts and blasting it. shotguns. He's going to get the job done. So, it, he was. Our armor, our armor uh, Stan Gilbert, was, not too, was none too pleased because I think the shotgun that he was firing – the, uh, the gauge was similar to the weapons that we had on set. You know, that's a big no-no. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the weapons master had to be losing his shit. Like, yeah, he was, he was pissed. Well, <laughs> well, it sounds like Gramps was truly a badass. He was. I was like, I think we should have worked him in, into the film somehow. Absolutely. But, uh, and, uh, now, are you from Texas? I am, yeah. Actually, um, my folks, they live in Plainview, which is kind of between Lubbock and Amarillo and the Panhandle, but... Uh, all the producers, save for one, are kind of from the Texas area, but I moved to Los Angeles about seven years ago uh, with my writing partner, Matt, who plays Craig in the film. And, uh, yeah, we've been living in Los Angeles. He recently moved back to Texas, but we come back to Austin quite a bit and, you know, work on projects there. We have some people there that, you know, friends and crew, and 
you know, it's a it's a great town. We love Austin. It's a great place. But when you're kind of putting together a film, you kind of kind of go back to you know your roots in a way, and you think about you know some great interesting locations that you either kind of grew up around or, or you know kind of, are kind of near and dear to your heart. And so uh, yeah, and uh, most of us from Texas. One thing that I'm I'm thinking this might be a bit of a heartbreaker for you, but Buck Wild is also the name. Of uh, oh, that white trash man. MTV reality show, that's. Uh, oh, I know, I know. Is, is that just killing you every time there's a headline about heroin and oxycontin and MTV and West Virginia? It's like it's like a redneck Jersey Shore direct. Yeah, fix. you know. I remember uh, we we named it Buck Wild. You know, when we went into production, um, one of the producers um, kind of heard through the grapevine that MTV had a show called Buck Wild and. We were like, oh, shit. And we were like, it's already kind of been incorporated, and it's such a good, fun name. And oh, yeah, it's a we perfect like, name for just, the film. Yeah, I was like, hopefully it'll just, like, you know, it'll be terrible or whatever. And and fortunately, it did do terrible, but terrible is obviously a good thing over at MTV. So um, <laughs> we were, you know, I was kind of bummed. But then, again, when we uploaded the trailer, you know, we had kind of, we were coming around at, like, 10,000 views, and uh, we were like, yeah, okay, great, it's, you know, we really haven't started our festival submissions yet, and we got about, you know, we had 10,000 hits, and then one day I uh, I got on and said, oh, check it out, and I'm like, 30,000 hits, so I was like, wow, you know, it's like just, it shot up, and then I realized that it, uh, <laughs> Buck Wild, the television show, had been released, and we were like, all right, well, great, we'll just take their hits, that's perfect, <laughs> uh, but now yeah. you know, it's like, the name you know, like, I know, and now we're just like buried amongst all the shit, but uh, it is what it is. It is what it is. You know, just different types of entertainment. But uh, there you have it. Who would have known? Buck Wild would have been. It would have happened. Already. But you know, who knows? Maybe maybe the distributor tells us to change it to, to a different title. But I hope not, because I love Buck Wild. Because I think it's just it's so fitting for the uh, for the movie. Absolutely, and it's mentioned a couple of times by the characters too. Yeah, so he says Buck Wild. Wild. Maybe you could change it so it's Buck Wild with two D's or something. <laughs> <laughs> and a silent Z. Yeah, lose the K. Yeah, um, put an umlaut over something. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we had all these, we had all these great like, get bucked, get bucked up. You know, I mean, it was just, but you know, it is what it is. So, so why don't we talk a little bit about uh, how you guys got the film made? Now, we, you know. In the Bone Bat Film Festival, we have kind of a pretty wide variety of how things happen. For instance, uh, Puppet Monster Massacre was made by a guy like on credit cards and donations. Meanwhile, Grabbers was done as a partnership with the Irish Film Board. So I know that you guys did a little bit of crowdfunding. How did you get Buck Wild made? Well, we, um, the co-writer Matt and myself and also Christian Sosa, um, we had kind of come together and we did a horror film prior to Buck Wild called The Eves. And we went out and we raised some money through kind of investors that kind of were friends and people that we had, we kind of knew. And The Eves, you know, we were kind of a little bit disappointed. You know, we learned a whole hell of a lot about filmmaking. And, you know, we learned a lot of lessons. But, you know, we were able to make the movie and we got distributed. And a lot of those same people that invested were kind of like, well, you know, guys, it wasn't so terrible. But, you know, we had a good time. You know, we thought it was a lot of fun. We'd love to do if you guys did another one. So we got together and um, we said, "All right, listen, we're gonna we're gonna go back out because the first film that we shot was also shot in and around the same area." Okay. And we were like, "Let's go back to Redemption. 
Let's do a movie exactly the way we want to do it. Let's learn from our mistakes. So, uh, you know, we kind of decided to kind of go with what our strong suit was. Is we love comedy, and, you know, we also love the, the horror genre. And then at the addition of the Chippecabra also, you know, with a lot of, like, it really bode well for with Texas investors because, again, it's kind of like the mythology of Texas. So, you know, we went and uh, we were able to raise some funds and uh, we put it together and uh, we had the script kind of written. So we, rose, we raised the money relatively quickly. It was very buck wild, but we got it done quickly. <laughs> and then we went right into production uh, and shot for a month in Texas on location. And uh, we spent uh, about a year just kind of polishing up, getting it done in post to, to be ready. So, um, yeah, it was through mostly uh, going to kind of just private investors and, and mm-hmm. putting it together. But uh kind of how we did it very cool well and we're yeah. kind of lucky because we're actually going to be showing buck wild a week after the world premiere yes now how yes, cool yes, is that sure. seattle is getting it second that is awesome <laughs> you're number two you're number two. that's right sloppy seconds no 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 it'll be great <laughs> i uh i'm really excited about the bone bat festival because you know the dallas festival is great we're really excited to be there um it's obviously kind of in a state where we shot the film so there's kind of already people that are excited about it there but i think we're the only zombie film there and i don't think that there's a whole lot of genre pictures there so being able to take it to you guys and be at your festival where we know that there's going to be fans there we know that the people there are going to you know are going to look at it and have a greater appreciation for it and and love it or hate it for the reasons that we love it and hate it. Um, <laughs> and so we're excited. I think uh, it'll be, it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I know we're all looking forward to it. We're thrilled to have it. Thank you again for yeah. being part of it. Sure, sure, sure. sure. Now that you, you finish this up, I know you've got to go through kind of distribution and all that good stuff, but what's next for you and Conation Films? Sure. Well, we've got uh, the, the co-writer and I were, um, again, we kind of, we have a production company with uh um, uh, another kind of producer, Christian Sosa and Taylor Thompson and uh, Stacey Crawford helps with uh, Wild. But uh, Matt and I kind of have three of the scripts. One that's kind of very uh, kind of a dark comedy. Uh, we have another one that's uh, kind of a drama, but it's got some comedic elements. I mean, we kind of always want to fall back on that. And then we've got another kind of great kind of horror film that's kind of a coming of age story. So we've got three scripts right now. Two of them are completely finished. We're polishing one, and we're hoping that. From here, um, you know, depending upon how people kind of receive the film and, um, you know, kind of what kind of like responses that we can get and interest that we can get, we're wanting to go on and continue to make, uh, to continue to make more movies. Um, I know that there's been several of our investors who have expressed interest. You know, we've got a couple um, people that, you know, could bring, you know, a little bit more to the table, and um, that's great because always good to be to have lots of money uh but uh i think we're yeah we're looking to you know expand and, and do hopefully not just one more film but kind of set up and have a you know a slate of films that we can keep that can keep us busy so we're not just dumping all of our energy into one where we've got kind of a always got something to do so that's what we're kind of looking to do but uh as far as bookwell is concerned we're kind of just taking it through the festival cycles we've got some kind of interested parties but we're kind of waiting we want to kind of build a fan base and we want to kind of keep uh we just really want to focus on you know getting this out to to you know to audiences and fans and having them check it out and you know hopefully that'll help us out in the long run but that's what those are kind of our, that's our plans for buck wild and Nation. very cool well, hopefully we can give it a little bit of a springboard into the horror community man at the bone bat yeah Fest. yeah yeah 
Definitely, definitely. That's why we're excited about that. All righty. Well, one last question. We always ask all of our guests here on the Bone Bad Show, Tyler. What pisses you uh, off, man? What pisses me off? Well, a lot of things because uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty anal and I usually <laughs> don't like a lot of things about people. But I think that really, and I think it all, it's only fitting that I'm saying this because I have been talking about myself, but I cannot stand, uh, and it really pisses me off. And I guess I get this a lot in L.A., but when you're constantly, when, someone, when, you, when you meet somebody new, uh, and they're constantly talking about themselves. And then you, you know, you just, you're waiting for them to kind of say, and what are you up to? Or, or, or get up, because I like to talk about myself too. But, uh, you know, I, I can't stand it. It's just this, this ego that just kills me. I and mean, I get people with ego, and I, that kind of goes in. So, yeah, people with egos that just really piss me off. You haven't <laughs> asked a single question about Tip to Base. <laughs> I heard all about your movie. That I does, know. That well, does I told remind you. I said, you know, I said, you know, that, that, that I didn't like, you know, assholes. And I didn't say that I wasn't one, but. <laughs> Right. Also, people that don't allow me to bring a chip of copper on an airplane. That's also pisses me off. Yes. No shit. Well, I hope we get to see the chupacabra, man. I'm looking forward to it. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All righty. Well, once again, well, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Bone Bass Show, taking a few minutes, and uh, for allowing us to screen Buck Wild at the festival. We're really looking forward to it, Tyler. Looking forward to it, too, and I, I can't wait to, to meet you guys and then ask you questions about your life and what you're up to. <laughs> Please yeah, yeah, do. Sure. Now, where can folks go to find out more information? Now, we got a lot of listeners who aren't in the Seattle area. Where can our listeners around the world go to find out more about Buckwild? Uh, I think check out our Facebook page. You can find us, Buckwild Film, uh, www.facebook.com uh, forward slash Buckwild Film. And we have a website which I think is www.buckwildmovie.com. So, yeah, that's, that's what we got, you know. Or you can, uh, I think you can email us at uh, buckwildmovie2013 at gmail.com. Perfect. All right, man. Well, thank you so much again, and uh, we will see you on April 13th.
Kevin Lee and Waiter Grabbers, and you're listening to the Bombat Show. It's all 
always the quiet places where the mad shit happens. They're pilot whales. They died at sea. I can't be self a sea monster. This is something totally different. Something, something alien. You don't believe me? Not a bit. Christ, what did I tell you? I believe in coincidences. Not really. You are so lucky she didn't kill you. You were drunk. If we taint our blood with booze, we're poisonous to eat. It's extraordinary. We stay out of the rain and we drink. You're a Toronto party. It's a welcome party for me. But we're leaving in a fortnight. It's just a goodbye party, whatever. Tequila! You got some tags on you? Not on me, no. I'm pissed. It's okay. I'm all right. Once again, we've got some tip to base here. Uh, a band you will see at the 2013 Bone Bat Comedy of Horrors Film Fest. And joining me now via Skype is the writer of our headline feature, Grabbers, Kevin Lehane. How you doing, man? <laughs> uh, not too well. Or not too bad, actually. I was going to say not too well. No, I'm good. Thank you so much for taking a few minutes to speak with us here. We were so excited to get this film, and it's a real thrill for us to have you on. Awesome. I wish I was there to, to watch it with the audience that you're going to have. I think it's going to be uh, really interesting. Now, being as, as far as I know, the film is only screened once in the U.S. before our film festival, can you give a brief synopsis to our listeners? Yeah, basically, it's a monster movie, and it's set in Ireland, and it's about a little island off the coast of the, the west coast of Ireland that gets invaded by these creatures called grabbers, and um, the local police force realized that the only person to survive an attack by these creatures was drunk at the time, so the way to keep everybody safe during this storm that's keeping people trapped on the island is to have a lock-in at the local bar and get everybody absolutely langers drunk. <laughs> what a cool idea. Now, where did you get the idea for the, your screenplay? Um, about six years ago, I was backpacking, and um, I was traveling around the world, and I was in the Cook Islands at the time, and I was getting savaged by mosquitoes. They were just, you know, flocking <laughs> towards me. Mozzies, little mosquitoes. And um, and I kept hearing the same advice from people, which was to eat lots of marmite, which is this uh, yeast type spread that we've got in Europe. And apparently, if you consume lots of vitamin B, then this urban legend uh, is that mosquitoes won't bite you. And it's been told to me while I was having a few drinks, and I thought, wouldn't it be better if I could give the mosquitoes alcohol poisoning? And um, and that's that's where it came. I just had this moment that light bulb moment where uh, I was about six or seven drinks down and I thought I mustn't forget this I mustn't forget this think 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 clearly and um and I woke up the next morning with a load of new mosquito bites to hang over and just wrote my travel journal get drunk to survive <laughs> <laughs> so and did you write the screenplay right away or how long was it between that moment and when you started to bring the film together um it was about a year after that uh I was traveling for like the, the rest of the year. I was, you know, going through Fiji and New Zealand and Australia, and I was living, living there for a while. And um, 
yeah, it just kept fermenting and, and it became sort of a story or a concept that I felt it had to be set in Ireland. It just, it, it suited it. And uh, I thought, well, I can write the kind of Irish film that I've never seen before, which is a genre film that's got monsters in it rather than sort of zombies or something that, you know, films that we've touched on in the past, but to do an actual full-on monster movie like the films I grew up on and to do a cool Irish film, I thought it was it was something that, it sort of spurned me on. And when I got back, but. Uh, uh, 2007 I wrote the script quite quickly and it sort of gathered pace from there really yeah it's very cool that, that this year actually it seems like we have more Irish films in our mix because we in addition to Grabbers uh, filmmaker Damien McCarthy's short Hungry Hickory is also playing in our festival and so it's just kind of cool to have the unique Irish flavor added to this little weird brew we've got going on here it's good I think last year was a really strong year for Irish films so it's um it's always been a case or a criticism of Irish film that the films tend to be really parochial and, and they're only really for Irish audiences. But I think in the last like year or so, um, we've started to make more genre films and, and more commercially minded films that, that really they should uh, conceivably work for audiences outside of Ireland as much as play towards Irish audiences at home. So it's it's cool, really. It's um, I hope it just continues to sort of build like that and we, we sort of um, start making more and more films like Grabber's and like Damien's film and and yeah the more Americans that see them then the more sort of interest there'll be for those kind of stories to get made at home and yeah it's a, it's an exciting time I think. Well it makes perfect sense too you've got a feature where it takes place mostly in the rain playing here in a city that takes place mostly in the rain. <laughs> yeah it's true. <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a cliche of Seattle it's a cliche of Ireland really that it never stops raining I suppose so I wanted to build in all those cliches into into the story for your grabbers and really make it so specific that the film wouldn't conceivably work outside of Ireland. So it's taking all the stereotypes that people think of uh, when they think of the Irish and slightly twisting them and subverting them a little. <laughs> so how did the team come together, director John White, your production staff? How did that all happen? The script uh, sort of went out. Uh, on the town in the UK in about 2009 and um, a lot of people sort of jumped on it but John Wright was the only director that I met so um, I met with the producers Kate and Tracy and they introduced me to John and John started immediately like singing off the same hymn sheet as me in terms of the, the visual look for grabbers and, and sort of the touchstone references to the, to the film which you know I kept bringing up references to Tremors and it's quite obvious sort of where <laughs> the homages to that film are uh, in the film but um, once John uh, came on board, it happened really, really fast. It was like 12 months from that very first meeting with him that we were standing in a sodden, freezing set in Donegal up in the north of Ireland and, and shooting. So it was, um, it all happened really, really fast. It took about two years to get anybody to read the script. But the minute that the right people read it, it just, it happened like you wouldn't believe. It, it, films never usually come together that quickly, but it sort of just uh, snowballed from that initial meeting. Very cool. Well, and, and to your point about references in the film, one of the things I love as both a horror fan and a cinema fan is like the film starts out on a ship and it's raining. And immediately I am reminded of like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, King Kong, like these big cinematic moments. So it starts out having almost a blockbuster feel to it. I think in that, that opening scene, you even have a Wilhelm scream in there. We do, yeah. <laughs> That was a much bigger sequence that was planned, but the weather was so bad. We had a, two full night shoots planned for, for that sequence, and there was a lot of people, um, a lot of stuntmen involved, and 
people being thrown into the, the water and what have you. But we had such a difficult shoot. There was like a, a gale force storm that hit us. So we couldn't film what we wanted to. So it just became this, this little more um, run and gun sort of opening to the film. But yeah, it sort of harkens back to Jaws and the fog and sort of... Um, yeah, yeah, the drinking for grabbers is really to, to drink anytime you spot a reference to another film. <laughs> That's just perfect. Now, when you're writing the script, did you have any actors in mind? Because the casting in the film is just perfect. Um, no, I tend to I tend to sort of write characters based on people I know, like friends or family or, or just people I've come across. So I don't tend to write uh, anything with an actor in mind because I think it just you just end up emulating performances that you've seen them give before so it tends to feel a little derivative oh good um, point okay yeah it just it doesn't work for me it's everyone's got their own sort of way of, of working but a lot of these actors i had not even heard of until it came to um to doing auditions for it and then myself and john and the two producers we just really went to bat and were quite dogged about wanting to have the the actors that we've got in the roles because you know you get pressure to sort of put in um, marquee names and, and those that might help with financing, but we didn't really want to have any, uh, you know, actors in there that were doing accents, and the Irish accent is really difficult to pull off, so we wanted to cast all really strong character actors and give them enough moments to shine, really, and then, you know, see what see what comes from it. So everybody sort of, like, um, really got something to prove with this film, so it's 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 been kind of cool. They're, they're a fantastic ensemble. I really think Apart from the Avengers last year, I think they're the best ensemble around, so I love them. Well, I couldn't agree more. And in the film, uh, the two kind of main characters, uh, Richard Coyle and Ruth Bradley, just have a fantastic chemistry. And she won an Irish Film and TV Award for this, right? She did, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, it was awesome. They sort of, um, a little, uh, I suppose, uh, uh, telling tales behind the, the school shed, but they're a couple now, and they met on the film, so the chemistry that they've got Aww. is uh, How sweet is that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Me playing matchmaker. Yeah. Um, but well done. Yes, yeah, incredible actress, and and she's sort of got a, a talent holding deal with ABC, so she's shoot, she's shooting pilots at the moment in in LA. So um, yeah, I predict huge things for Ruth. Cool. Well, then also in the trailer, one of the first things I noticed when I first saw it was uh, Brona Gallagher from The Commitments, one of my favorite films of all time, and she's in your film too. That was really cool. Uh, also, Russell Tovey from Being Hu- the original Being Human, not the ridiculous sci-fi remake. <laughs> I have not seen the remake, but yeah, yeah, good old Russell. Yeah, we had a brilliant cast, and it was it was a lot of fun, really. It was a miserable shoot because it was so cold and so wet. Um, we shot in the winter of 2011, no, 2010, sorry, and uh, it was really difficult. But the camaraderie you see on screen, it it was there, you know, on set as well. So it was just it was a ton of fun, really. Oh, yeah, it looks like it was. and I think that that comes across in the, the the whole feel of the film as a whole. Very cool. Moments when you look at it where you can just see they're about to corpse. So um, <laughs> I've filmed so many times now that I, I end up like looking at, at the, the different faces and some of the wider shots, and I can see Ruth is just about to start laughing, and Richard is trying not to laugh. And, and yeah, it's um, I think it gives it a sort of infectious energy that you can tell that everybody's enjoying themselves. Uh-huh. Well, so, yeah. the, the actor who plays Patty, he seemed like he had to be cracking everybody up because he is so <laughs> funny in that film. It's just hilarious. Yeah, he was the very first person we cast, Laura Roddy, because there was a risk that whoever played that role it could end up being a, a little too um, sitcom-y or, or campy. And uh, 
Yeah, he put he put himself on tape, and we watched about two minutes of it and thought, that's it, whatever we <laughs> do, it's him. And then we just cast the rest of the film around him, so we knew that it needed everybody needed to fit into his world, which is ridiculous, but but believable. You can, I've met people like him, so he sort of grounded the film a little bit, and then we just sort of went from there, really. But yeah, Laura's gas. Now switching gears a little bit, in the years we've been doing this festival, we've you know learned that creating an independent film is kind of a balancing act between your vision and the resources that you have available. Did your script make it to the screen intact? Uh, no, I think it's impossible for that to happen. <laughs> you just have to do the best that you can on the time that you have and the, the budget you have. You know, when you're doing an independent film, really where you tend to sort of suffer is that you can't recover from any sort of mistakes that happen along the way. So if you, um, if you get hit with a blizzard, you have to shut down production and you can't really make up those days. So you've got to, you've got to cut into your script and sort of try and make it up that way. There's just, there's not enough uh, resources to sort of recover from any um, setbacks that you have. Right. So you're always trying to be realistic and pragmatic about what you can achieve. So I'm really proud of the film, but the, the, there are things where we um, we had bigger ambitions and, and you just have to, to sort of, you know, suck it up and, and, and try and do the best you can with the money you have. Grabbers, for all its sort of um, impressive visual effects and what have you, it's a very low-budget film. So it's done for love, not money. Nobody got rich <laughs> making Grabbers. But... Um, well, that's kind of that's the story of independent film, really. You know, people do it for love. Yeah, but Grabbers by all by all rights should be like a, a studio film. It's sort of it's that commercial and it's that sort of ambitious, really. It's it's a it's a strange beast, but uh, we sort of love the film. So <laughs> flaws and all. Now, speaking of the visual effects, the Grabbers themselves are just a fantastic original creation. Did they turn out how you envisioned? The main creatures, the main grabbers did, they I mean, they were literally just sort of those sort of toys that you you throw against the wall, those octopus toys, the <laughs> sticky ones. I used to call them like spaghetti slinkies and things like that, sort of like eel, like spidery mess of tentacles. Yeah, my um, son's got one of those. Yeah. And then John came on and he started adding all this sort of, you know, Freudian stuff by giving them or, cocks and asses and really disgusting <laughs> visual references and I was like that's not in the script I want people to know I'm not that um, but the baby ones the, the grabblings they changed a lot they were originally called jumpers because they had sort of two little feet and they used to mm. hop and um, sort of in the reverse of like the life cycle of a tadpole to a frog they would lose their, their legs and go into the, the grabbers but the concept worked with that it sort of it confused people they thought they were two separate species so we just thought to keep it more contained that we'd We'd make it more evident that they're baby big ones. So that was that was the only real significant change to the creatures. The rest of it, yeah, it's it's pretty much verbatim to what I was to what I wrote really. So I got to ask you, man. This happens to you. You're in Grabbers. You got locked in the pub to save yourself. What are you drinking? I drink Guinness because I never get a hangover from Guinness. So uh, <laughs> a bit of a cliche, but yeah, I, I, I don't. The fact that Guinness has got no sort of it's not carbonated, and it doesn't have as much sugar as, as wine or, you know, lager. It doesn't tend to give you as bad of a hangover, so I'm, I'm a pretty bog-standard Guinness drinker. 
No, I'm a big fan of the stuff as well, so good call. <laughs> yeah, it works for me. It tastes a little different in a, out of a can here than uh, when you go to a pub there, I'm certain, but uh, it's still pretty damn good. Well, it, it all does the same job, so. <laughs> so what's next for you, Kevin? What are you working on now? I'm working on about four different things, so it's sort of trying to keep them more straight. I've got a project that I'm going to hopefully be directing next year, which is a sci-fi thing. It's sort of a very lo-fi sci-fi concept. I've got a comic that I'm working on also, which I was writing again today, with Versus Comics, which is crowded in the UK. Uh, I've got a project with the same producers of, of Grabbers called Legend Has It, which is um, uh, sort of like a Princess Bride-style adventure story. Oh, that sounds uh, fun. Yeah, yeah, there were, I, I just tend to like films that I would actually go and watch, so <laughs> at the moment. So um, they're all quite commercial. And I've got a horror project uh, with one of my Viper mates who's uh, a producer in the UK that just did that song for Marion film. So um, busy, all in development, so it's all like spinning plates. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Well, a final question. We always ask all of our interviews here on the Bone Bat Show, Kevin, what pisses you off? Uh, what pisses me off, um, cliches in films, really. Cliché dialogue. And, um, you know, one of the big cliches, obviously, is the phone that when you, when the character sort of picks up, they've got no bars or they've got no signal. And any time that happens, it's, I always ask, like, what's the big deal if they get through to somebody? It's not a teleportation device. It's not, <laughs> all they're going to do is speak to somebody on the other, other end of the line and say, I'm fucked, I need help, and wait for that help to get there. And that, to me, builds in an immediate sense of uh, uh, peril because the audience are going to be looking at that thinking, that's exactly what I would have done, know what's going to happen. So that's the reason why at the beginning of Grabbers, the fishermen get onto the Coast Guard immediately and they contact and say, you know, we're about to investigate something weird here. And the Coast Guard are like, we're on our way. But by the time they get there, it's too late. So I tend to like taking cliches and just throwing them back at the audience, really. Well, that's a good point. It's interesting, too, in horror films, like how the advent of the cell phone totally changed our problems in horror movies. Because before, it was like the killer snipping the phone line to your house. And now that's, think, that's not even a thing. <laughs> I guess out in the woods, you still can't get cell phone coverage, so that that's still a thing. But then you've got like 30 days a night where the vampires run around, or the vampire's lackey runs around and steals everybody's cell phone and burns it so they can't... I mean, what? It's <laughs> just kind of bizarre. Uh, yeah, I just think you can't have the characters living in an alternative reality to the to the audience. They've got to have access to phones, and they've got to try and use them in the way that the audience would. And then you just have to subvert that. So, you know, there was a scene in Grabbers which didn't make the cut where um, O'Shea, uh, when they're up, at, uh, sort of everybody's locked into the bar, and and the shit has gone really bad, and they're stuck. And he's like, has anybody got a phone? And everybody takes out a phone and some people take out two. And he's like, <laughs> start telling them that, you know, we're trapped here. Call the Coast Guard, call the Army, call whoever the hell you can get through to. Tell them we need help. But nobody can get there. So it's sort of, you know, in that scenario, you're, you as an audience member, you're sitting there thinking, well, what are they going to do? No, it, it hasn't worked. It's not teleported them out of the jeopardy they're in. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, another good point that you're making about the, the audience being in the same reality as what's happening in the film. Like, how many zombie movies do you see where nobody in the film has ever seen a zombie movie? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, you'd think that at this point you'd at least have it. Well, let's try shooting at the head and see what happens. Yeah. That that would be yeah. part of the conversation. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The only thing with that, though, is you don't want the characters to... Um, 
to be aware that they're almost in in a, a movie construct. I I'm not a fan of postmodern sort of storytelling, so um, I don't like it when the characters are sort of commenting on things that they've seen in other films, and it just feels it's too meta. Meta to me is just distancing you from a sense of reality, really. So anytime you can just um, you know, with Grabbers, it could have been a parody. It could have been a complete off-the-wall sort of uh, ridiculous comedy. But I just wanted to make it feel grounded. But then that, to me, makes it just a little bit more funnier when stuff happens. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. But you don't want to play it too uh, far where the characters are sort of too knowing. That's one of the things I love about Grabbers, actually, is that it's not necessarily jokey humor. It's character-driven humor. And it yes. has soul to it, and that's why this film works so well for me, is it's got action, and it's got scares, and it has genuine interactions between the characters, and that's what makes it so damn much fun. You can get really easy laughs by having characters sort of, uh, you know, referencing other films and thinking, okay, they did this in Aliens, let's try it, let's sort of do some power loaded scene or something like that, but I'd much rather just ground it and just say, if you are absolutely in this scenario... As, as a real human being in a real reality, how would you deal with it? And, yeah, just sort of let it play out and, and have a sense of honesty and integrity, hopefully. Well, I think you definitely accomplished that with Grabbers. And, we, again, we're thrilled to be able to show it here. So thank you so much, Kevin, for letting us be a part of this. No problem. I hope the audience love it as much as, as, as well, I do. That sounds right. <laughs> so where can our uh, listeners keep track of what you've got going on, Kevin? Well, I tweet too much, so I'm on Twitter. Um, but other than that, I suppose, if they want to keep refreshing my IMDb page and seeing what pops up there, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. All right, man. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. No problem. Best of luck. I hope the, the screening goes really well for you.
Hey, this is Dustin Mills, director of the Puppet Monster Massacre, and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show. Uh, all right, once again, that was Professioneer, one of my favorites from the batch of demos. Tip to Bass was so kind to share with us back in our last episode. And uh, I hope you dug that one as much as I did. Uh, before we move on to a few filthy jokes, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Bone Bat Film Festival sponsors who make this possible and the badass prize giveaway that we're going to be having. Not only do they sponsor this thing make it possible, they make our badass prize giveaway possible as well. Should we just start with Theo Chocolates? Yeah, let's talk about Theo Chocolate, man. I got three words to say about Theo Chocolate. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> they yeah, were- anybody that comes to the festival, that is part of the gift bag that you will be receiving. Theo Chocolate. Big-ass gourmet chocolate bar. Also, uh, Paizo Publishing, who you know for their Pathfinder games, gave us three cases of novels. So everybody's going to get a full-length horror fantasy novel included in their swag bag. How cool is that? That is way cool. Who else is a sponsor? GT Printing Equipment? Of course. Company I know and love. Could not do it without them. They're instrumental in making this thing happen, getting our T-shirts made, getting our printing done. Could not do this festival without GT. Also, Stalker Farms uh, fired in, helping us out at the last minute to secure grabbers. We really appreciate their support. And Flying Saucer Pizza. Now, this year, they're not actually selling pizza at the festival because Central Cinema handles all of that themselves. But it was pretty cool. They were both, A, willing to support us, and, B, they're glad to be attending this year for the first time. So that's going to be really fun to join them to watch some of these great horror movies, listen to Tip to Bass, all that great stuff. Our long-term sponsor, Mac and Jack's Brewery, once again is coming back, providing a special on one of their brews. African Amber, one of my favorites. Delicious. Absolutely. Beloved by all. And Games and Gizmos, once again, fired in with their support, helping us out, and... uh, they're going to be putting up a few games for us to give away. Uh, Paizo is doing the same. We have goblin, like little plush goblins. How cool is that? We got plush goblins? That's awesome. We got plush goblins. A uh, bunch of graphic novels, Dark Horse Comics, Oni Press, and Corner Comics in Kirkland all have given us a stack of graphic novels. Additionally, we got DVDs from the Mighty Scarecrow video, Alternative Cinema as well. So some great stuff to watch. Uh, and Play and Trade in Kirkland has given us a bunch of uh, gift cards to give away so that you can cash in for the video game of your choice. Really great stuff from our sponsors. We really appreciate it. Again, everybody who comes in, you're going to get with your paid ticket. You get a raffle ticket. And uh, good luck. I hope you win something. Now, if you get an enormous package for 50 bucks, of course, you get a ticket, one ticket to the fest, a T-shirt and your choice of sizes, one of the awesome CDs, No Consequences, by Tip to Bass. A popcorn coupon, a poster of the event, aforementioned stuff, and you get two raffle tickets. So you double two, your Two, double your ticket take. Absolutely. So another reason to get yourself an enormous package. So once again, thank you to all the sponsors. We really appreciate your support, and uh, we look forward to sharing all this largesse with our attendees on April 13th. Oh, and also, i got to say thank you to Central Cinema. They have been kick-ass to work with. They put our stuff all up on their site. Uh, It's just been really cool, smooth operation, and uh, it's great to be working with them. 
Filthy jokes. Filthy jokes. You know, I don't even really have a joke this time. I kind of have a story, though. The other day, went to go get my hair cut. You know, Gore, you've known me for a long time. Yeah. And I don't have quite the lush head of hair that I used to have. Not quite the mane you once and had. So, you know, you get to that point where they're going to turn you around and you almost don't want to see it because every time <laughs> it's just worse and worse. Nothing you can do about it. So I asked a barber. I said, you know, do you have any tips on how you can kind of, if not, you know, make hair come back, at least slow the baldness down? And the guy, you know, there's a couple people sitting in the lobby. And so he, he kind of leans in close and he says, you know, I find that one of the best things to prevent baldness is female juices. And I look at the guy and he's balder than I am. I say, wait, wait a minute. Yeah, clearly, this can't be working on you. He says, well, you've got to admit, I've got one hell of a mustache. <laughs> that was cute. Okay, I do have a joke, actually. This one's for tip to base. What's the definition of indefinitely? I'm not very literate. I don't know how to spell my own name. <laughs> when you feel your ball slapping that ass, you're indefinitely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Shaft of balls. When you feel your balls slapping those balls and just. <laughs> <laughs> on DP, on DP. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's like a perpetual motion machine. I'm not really good at jokes. I did. I met this crazy guy the other day. I thought this was the dirtiest thing. He it was actually. Uh, he was like a. What do they call it? A bestialist. He. Uh, he was he fucked the horse and he wasn't just like fucking a any horse what it were was, you doing in auburn it was his soul soulmate enum claw and <laughs> soul it was i mean he like he, I, i'm not kidding he was like he is in love with this the equine and uh and i was like well what is it like a is it like a female horse or a male horse and he got all upset and he goes look man i ain't gay <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's what I said is important to me. <laughs> I thought that was funny. I don't know why nobody else laughed. I thought that was funny. I'm, I'm choking off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, this guy, after a night of serious hardcore partying, he wakes up with his wife, and he rolls over in bed, and his head is throbbing. And he's just barely cracking his eyes open. He goes, honey, I've got to tell you something. I've got to admit something. Something terrible happened last night. Well, what, honey? What what happened? He goes, I I just gotta come clean. Last night I I had sex with your mother. And she goes, What what are you talking about? That's impossible. You you couldn't have had sex with my mother. She lives a thousand miles away. You know, I I was with you last night. You he goes, Oh. Well in that case. You need to start wearing a lot more makeup. Ow. Really? Nothing? I guess it's just the misogyny tonight. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you. Uh, of course, we'd like to thank all the filmmakers who are part of the Boneback Comedy of Horrors Film Festival this year. Of course, we'd like to thank Dustin Mills, director of Puppet Monster Massacre, Tyler Glott of Buck Wild, and writer Kevin Lahan of Grabbers for joining us on the show. And again, thank you to Tip to Base. Thank you, guys. You guys thank, you. Thank, you. thank you so much for joining us. Really looking forward to this. This is going to be a lot of fun. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. April 13th. Yes. Our usual bullshit. You can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com. Got new content on bonehand.com a lot of Sundays. Not every Sunday. 
Uh, also, heavy half hour during non-Bone Bat weeks occasionally. You can find my comic every week, MightyWombat.com. And I think we've got a Facebook thing, my Bob, don't we? We do. We've got a Bone Bat page over there. Also, the Bone Bat Film Fest event page, which you want to be following for all your last-minute festival news. Also, uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm Bonehand over there, and we have a Bone Bat feed as well. Twitter. Yeah, I haven't Twittered since, like, before the last show. Sure. Uh, and when I do actually point my browser at Twitter and type something, I am Mighty underscore Wombat. Of course, thank you for listening, and if you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. Tell an enemy. Next episode is going to be episode 100. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Wow. Already, we're going to have brand new cuts from Fintroll. I've already spoken with Vareth, the lead singer, so we've got an interview from that band. Additionally, you'll have some prime slices from the Bone Bat Film Festival, and we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call, give us an email, fire in, and let us know about whatever you'd like to talk about on our episode 100. Are we going to do something just amazing at the end of episode 100, like you could set yourself on fire or something? Yeah, something you're going to... I could set you on fire? Choke yourself out while masturbating? I'm not sure. (laughs) Oh, David Carradine. (laughs) Closing this episode, we're going to go out with Backup Plan from Tip to Bass. Yeah. Yeah. Got any good stories about this song? What can you tell us? Wish I had a backup plan. Yeah. You know, when you're at night by yourself, you're like, shit, I really... Went all in on that one and should have had a backup. I don't know. This is nothing. Again, zero substance. <laughs> Once again, this is Steve. This is Gord. And Tip yeah. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
Hey, we kind of sort of promised that Tip the Bass would blow him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, BJ's going to rectally Ooh, smuggle a chupacabra. I don't see why <laughs> blowing him. Yeah, really I mean, it's I'll, in his name, I'll, too. I'll reach around to the ass and hum while I do it, man. <laughs> All right. Really though, I just wanted to let you guys know. I'm just thinking, if you anally smuggle in a chupacabra, you've given it the office. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you, know, you, know, you get a... No blow anybody free pass. <laughs> no, no, I did the chupacabra thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was you? Oh, yeah, my bad, man. Sorry. Oh, Dude, it's, it's all right. You signed my tip? Here, take another free beer. Okay? Because please. Yeah, speaking of which, I'm...